You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we're off and running, people. It's Thursday. It's uh, September 24th. Hey, good morning. Welcome in. Lots on the agenda for this Thursday edition. We are jam-packed, locked and loaded, so uh, let's get right into it. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. The uh, Twitter, at Gordon Damer. The Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question will be going up shortly. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you know what? Let's start with some baseball, mainly because I need to work up to the Jets conversation. You know, we've been focused so much on the Jets after Sunday's performance, which if you didn't see Sunday's performance or you haven't caught the first three shows of the week, I would say simply the best way to describe it would be, and I've used this uh, before, close your eyes. Scream out loud as loud as you can. It looked like that. That's how it looked. It looked like a house on fire, baby. So I need to. Uh, I I I've been putting a lot of effort to come up with angles to talk about the Jets, but we'll get to the Jets in a little bit because it seems like. I mean, in terms of providing content, boy, the Jets now providing wins, not so much. In fact, not at all. But uh, we'll touch on a couple of things as Week Three opens up tonight. And speaking of Week Three opening up, remember. When all the sports were shut down, right? We were all in quarantine. Sports was a distant memory and everything was off and we were desperate for anything. I mean desperate for anything. I remember at one point while all sports were shut down, doing an interview with a guy who covered esports, video games. He didn't play them. He covered them. And, you know, I was like, oh, is this, is this the future? You know, you got to cut me some slack. It was a weird time. I remember breaking down the last dance like we didn't already, like it wasn't a documentary, like the games were taking place. We were desperate for anything, any little morsel of sports food. And I bring that up simply as a reminder, remember that when you're watching Jags Dolphins tonight, if you're watching Jags Dolphins tonight, all right? But uh, let's start with the Yankees because they got run over by the Blue Jays last night, 14-1, just sloppy. Uh, they've kind of been sloppy since clinching. Uh, Tanaka wasn't very good. The defense was bad. The offense blew opportunities. So, look, that that was Tanaka's final regular season start. I guess it could be the final regular season start he makes as a Yankee. I, I didn't really, uh, I was not really aware that his contract was up after this year. But you know, I, I know that uh, over the shows today there'll probably be some concern about you know the way he looked last night and the fact that the playoffs are right around the corner. I do have to take into account though. Tanaka has always been a guy who has raised his game in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like the Yankees have had super deep runs with with Tanaka on the team, but his ERA in the postseason is 1.76. And two of those starts, I mean, maybe the most impressive thing was, I think he's made seven postseason starts. Two of them were against the team that we now know was cheating at the time. Like, two of his starts were against the Astros in 2017. And it's not like his, he's never had one of those, you know, even great pitchers have starts in the postseason where they just don't have it and they just get hammered. He's never really had that. I mean, last year he was not great against the Astros in that one start. But even with that factored in, his whip in the, in the postseason is not only under one, it's 0.783. I mean, that's ridiculous. And again, he's never really had a start where he's blown up. So I'm going to factor that in. 
Now, could it be this year is the year he has the best? Sure, of course. I, you, you really don't know what to expect about the playoffs, especially in the American League this year. I think they're much more wide open. Really, just about any team in the American League making the World Series would not be that big a shock. So, uh, But the Yankee defense has been bad. It was bad last night. They had four errors. And i got to be honest, I've been a little surprised. I, I would think, and you'd have to kind of go back and look, and I've not done this research, uh, I've been focused on coming up with jet points to make. But obviously, there, there are f- certain factors of the Yankee defense that are are bad. Even with you know LeMahieu, who is a plus defender, or Shell is a plus defender, Judge, when he's in there, is a plus defender. Uh, they have some hats. You know, Sanchez is obviously never going to be a great defender, so he's always going to be an issue. Uh, as much as I love Luke Voigt, he's not exactly a gold glover at first base. Glaber's had his issues at shortstop this year. But even other guys who in the past have been pretty good defenders, Hicks in center field has had plays this year where you're like, what was he doing? Uh, Gardner's had some issues. So the defense, I'm sure, is going to get brought up today. I'd like to go back, though, because they've had so many guys. I think they right now... Uh, Michael said on the broadcast last night that only two other teams, the Red Sox and maybe the Pirates, I don't remember, but there were only two teams that had more errors this year than the Yankees. I'd like to want, I'd like to see just how many of those errors were guys who are not going to be playing, you know, the guys who were fill-ins while so many guys were injured. So, uh, look, uh, it is what it is. Uh, we'll see when the playoffs get started. I think the Yankees are kind of... It's always good. You always want your team to be winning as many games as possible, get the best playoff seating as possible. It just doesn't seem like there's ever really been cases of teams that really care about playoff seating. And I think that since the Yankees have clinched, they've kind of been floating around a little bit. Now they shouldn't be. You should you you should want to have home field advantage, right? How the 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 splits between them playing on the, at home or on the road, and just their home ballpark is. Um, is a huge advantage, but it just doesn't seem like that has made much of an impact on them. So we'll have to see. The other thing that uh, I did want to bring up about the Yankees, people have to stop talking about Luke Voigt like he's going to win the AL MVP. I've touched on this a lot, I know. He's not. We've run through it every time it pops up. Unless there is a Yankee who is a clear-cut runaway candidate that you can't in good conscience vote for Anybody else, that's the only way that person, that Yankee, is going to win an award. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, that's the only way. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, it doesn't really seem like this is the case this year, but the, the logic behind why the Yankee didn't win, that will flip-flop. It always happens. It's just the case. We've run down. I'm not going to get bogged down in it today. But if that person, whoever it is, is not the clear-cut runaway, you can't vote for anybody else in good conscience, they're not going to win. So this year, the AL MVP is going to be one of the White Sox players, or it'll be Jose Ramirez. I think Shane Bieber will get some votes. Or, or you, look, you can't ever go wrong with voting for Mike, Mike Trout. But no, um, Luke Voigt is not going to win the AL MVP, mainly because the AL MVP this year, if you want to factor in everything, if you want to factor in all aspects, there's really only one person it should be. It should be DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu should be, as we sit right now, I don't know what's going to happen over the last few games, but as we sit here, 507 on September 24th, that's who should be the AL MVP. You know, the K-Show is talking about batting titles and how that goes to... 
the, the, the stat, the offensive stat, we're not, this is not the 1950s anymore. We're not doing things by bat. We've learned better ways to do things, right? And batting, saying the batting title goes to the person who, who leads in batting average. Batting title kind of connotates like the king of offense, the best offensive player. Batting average is not the best way to judge that. OPSs, on base plus slugging. It's simple. It's easy to understand. It's not war. It's not this war or that war. War, what is it good for? But right now, if you look at OPS, on base plus slugging, right? How often do you get on base? And how often when, you, when you're up do you, you know, make an impact, not just coming up with a single or something? Like, right. How much impact do your bats have? How often do you get on base? Right now, the top three are Nelson Cruz, uh, Jose Abreu, and DJ LeMahieu. And you'd have to say that LeMahieu is the only one who plays a demanding defensive position, right? And not only plays it, plays it well and plays multiple. You need me to play third base? Okay, I'll go play that at a gold glove level. You need me to play first base for a game or two? Okay, never an issue there either. And also, he's the guy who kind of kept the team afloat while dealing with all these injuries. You know, if the Indians or the White Sox or uh, the Astros or some other team had multiple injuries and there was this one shining light who was performing basically better than anyone else in the the, uh, American League, it would be, wow, you know, you have to give the award to DJ LeMayhew. Nah, he probably won't finish in the top three, but he should. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So as the Yankees continue to prepare for the, I guess prepare, right? It doesn't really seem like they're preparing. It seems like they're just kind of floating along before the postseason. Uh, then you have the Mets. The sad trombone. There you go. Uh, they lost to the Rays last night. Mike Vaccaro. Uh, credit, no, not don't give the sad trombone to Mike Vaccaro. Mike Vaccaro's fantastic. His piece in the Post today. Uh, that this season is one of the biggest failures in Mets team history. And, you know, like I brought up with the Jets, think about all that entails, right? Like the fact that we're still accepting nominees for the biggest failures in Mets team history, that really, you know, this is not, (laughs) there's a lot of good contenders there. But in a year that more than half the teams in both leagues qualify, right? Eight of 15 teams make the playoffs. It's not that the Mets made a run and came up short. Forget about making a run. The Mets never made a walk. They never ma- they never moved off the couch. You ever you ever be watching something and you're so enthralled in it, you're sitting in front of the TV and your wife or your kids or somebody says something and you don't even move, you don't even flinch? The Mets never even flinched. The best thing they had going for them was that they were the, in the National League and the National League is wide open. And they were playing in the National League East, which is, by all accounts, a terrible division. It's so bad that the Marlins could very well be in the postseason. And the Mets, again, it's like they never flinched towards making the— you want the playoffs? No, I'm watching Breaking Bad. Whatever, whatever the baseball version of Breaking Bad the Mets are focused on, they didn't even flinch at all. They've not been over 500 since they were 3-2. and two. They've not moved out of fourth place since late August. So— all you had to do, as we brought up time and time again, was have one good week. Go 5-1 and one over the course of the week. We now know they never did. And really, this comes back to, I think, one decision. 
And it was a decision the Mets made a couple of years ago. The decision, talking about epic fails, the decision, the Mets' ownership had two choices in front of them. They had Heim Bloom, who was part of the Tampa Bay Rays. At that time, Rays were starting to, to come back around. You know, they had some rebuilding. And we're doing it, again, as the Rays always do, on a shoestring budget, without a lot of money, finding different ways to do to, to do business and, and excel, despite the, the obvious roadblocks and obstacles that they have to overcome year in and year out. Or they had a buddy of Jeff Wilpon. And uh, the Mets decide, you know what? I think we're going to go outside the box here. Let's go with the agent. Even though... If you were going with the agent, you would think, all right, this is th- we're going to go with this guy because he's going to be able to get us into the room that we can't get into, right? We're, he's going to be able to make the connections with free agents that we just haven't been able – we have all this money, but we just haven't been able to make that connection. I don't think he ever made that connection. I don't think he ever – because you didn't have the, the backing of the, of, of the ownership. So our poll question, which is going up momentarily – Right All week we've been talking about Adam Gase. And look, I don't think it's talked out as of yet. At least I hope not, because I'm going to talk about it coming up. But life is all about choices, right? And when you see, sometimes it takes a long time to realize you've made the bad choice. Sometimes it doesn't. And with the Mets, and I think the Jets, you can say that already both made the wrong choice. The Jets when they picked Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy, and the Mets when they selected Brody over, I have uh, Mike McCarthy. They did not select him over Mike McCarthy. They, they selected him over Heim Bloom. I got to fix that. Uh, so which is the bigger screw-up? Was it the Mets taking Brody over Bloom or Gase taking uh, Ga- the, the Jets taking Gase over McCarthy? So let me fix that. The poll question will be going up momentarily on Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. You know what? Let's get uh, got a couple of calls here already. Let's go to Greg. Greg is in East Meadow. We've not heard from Greg in quite some time. The Yankees are playing terribly, so Greg has given us a call this morning. Greg, what's going on, my man? <laughs> well, you basically hit on everything I want to talk about, from the defense to their road record to all kinds of stuff. And you know what? I believe Tanaka is going to have a bad playoff game when I actually see it. Right. I mean, I don't care how poorly he's pitched. Playoffs comes around and he's and he's Tanaka. So until I see him do otherwise, you know, I don't expect a good performance out of him. But you know what? Since you already hit on all the things I was going to talk about, I want to talk about something else. I'll tell you who's had a god awful year. It's a co-worker of yours, Michael Kay. This year has been absolutely dreadful. I've never seen a guy who gets lost in the game. Last night on that throw over to first base to Voight that turned into Voight throwing the second and Torres dropping the ball. Michael Kay was talking about you can't assume a double play there so he doesn't sure he's not sure if Torres is gonna get an error. Like Michael, there's nobody on first base. Like he totally loses himself in the game. My sons and I have been looking at each other all year going, What the heck is wrong with Michael Kay? Is he not watching the same game we are? And last night was the absolute worst worst example of it, but he's been he's been lost all season long. I don't know if it's because he's not at the game, but I'm watching the game and I'm not getting lost. Uh, well, look, I will say uh, I have I, I got to be honest with you. I have been actually now. Look, I was not on last night's game. You know, once it started to get out of hand, I, I was I was off it and I went to bed because I was exhausted. Um, I have actually said to my wife, given the obstacles that broadcasters are dealing with this year, I know myself, 
I would be as as bad as you think it's been. I, I can tell you right now, I would be a hundred times worse uh, because the obstacles that they are you know used to performing with, and now having to do it on a screen. You got one guy who's sitting in Ohio. You got another guy who's in the booth next to you. I mean, it's just not the the the, the way things operate. So uh, I, I've actually been I've actually been impressed, and my wife, who's not a sports fan at all. Uh, she's been impressed where she's, you know, watching the game, and if it's a road game, she's, uh, you know, not now, but at first she was like, oh, they, they're traveling with the team. I said, no, they're not. They're, he's calling this game from Yankee Stadium off a monitor. So I think that that, you know, this is a, a new level of obstacles that we've not really dealt with before, so I would say that. But I, I've actually been kind of impressed, not just with uh, the Yankee broadcast, the Met broadcast, when they're calling it off a monitor, that I thought that, that it's actually been pretty good. Uh, you, I don't okay. think if you were dropped into it uh, and not know that that you would be you would be missing it, right? Like that you would be like, oh wow, this is obviously something is not right here. Well, if you say so, Gordon. Well, I was just shocked last night that he was talking about double plays when there were clearly was when it wasn't even a ball in play. It was just a throw over to first base, and there was only one guy on base. And he's wondering if you know he's talking about how you can't assume a double play there. It's a little yeah. shocking. That's yeah, I, 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 I this year for him. All right. Well, look. I mean, uh, you know, if you want to hammer him, you certainly can. I've actually been impressed uh, with uh, you know, and, and not. I'm sure if you, you know, like people don't realize uh, the, you know, they think it's super easy to call games and stuff like that. The amount of stuff, and I'd have to assume it's even more so. The amount of stuff going on. Uh, in broadcasters' ears while they're calling games and everything else, uh, I just know myself. Uh, I would not. <laughs> I would not be able. To, and I point that out all the time when there's like big plays and games where somebody accentuates the action perfectly. I I would be sitting there if I were calling the game. Ah, blah, 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 blah. He got it. He got it. So I'd be terrible. That's uh. I can uh, you know uh, he without sin be the first to cast the first stone or whatever it is. Yeah. And by the way, I did not mention it in the open. The Magic 8-Ball is sitting here. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for your jet questions. We uh, determined last week or this week? Was that this week? Was it last week? That in in terms of trust, who do you trust more? Do you trust Christopher Johnson? Do you trust Adam Gase? Or do you trust the Magic 8-Ball? And overwhelmingly, at at levels never seen before or since in a poll question on the Gordon Damer Show, you all agreed. Everyone agreed. Even in 2020, even when we're as divided as we've ever been, that you all, myself included, trust the Magic 8-Ball. So if you have a question about the Jets for this Sunday, moving forward, certainly the Magic 8-Ball is here for you. I do feel like the people that made the Magic 8-Ball included too many responses where it was like, uh, yeah, ask later. Eh, I don't know right now. Like, one or two, but I don't know how many answers they have in these things. But it seems like like one-third of them are, eh, I don't know right now. Shake it again. Maybe that, who knows, it's been super successful. Whoever made that dopey thing has certainly made their money a couple times over. All right. So um, let's get into the poll question, which is up. It's been corrected. It's been fixed. It's uh, it's up there. It's on uh, Twitter. And I, But, you know, one more thing about the Yes crew I think that one of the good things about quarantine or this season, 2020, has been that the, you know, yes, generally rotates a lot of people in and out. And this year it's been primarily Kay, Cone, and O'Neal. 
And look, they probably will never do it, but if they just went with that team every single day, I know that they like to keep guys fresh and all this type of stuff. Everybody, it, it seems like a lot of times you don't know what crew you're going to get. If they ever did that crew, I think that that crew is the best crew uh, in baseball. I agree. So, yeah, I it's mean, I mean, I, I love Michael O'Neill is like uh, Phil Rizzuto reincarnated, and uh, Cone. Nobody does a better job with story. You know, the whole the whole package: stories, new age analytics, making it in a, an acceptable, understandable way in a regular broadcast day in and day out than uh, than David Cohn. He should be Professor Cohn because he's yeah, so he's, amazing. He's, he's like, fantastic. Like you he's learn fantastic. baseball, like if you don't even know baseball statistics and analytics, you right. go to David Cohn, he'll teach you. Yeah. No, I mean, he presents it in a way, you know, it can get very uh, it can get very boring, right? It's, it's After all, it's math, right? Like who wants to be listening to math? But he does a great job with it. So uh, I think that the, uh, the Yes Crew is uh, phenomenal. And uh, always engaged, always, fo- you know, they're always making it. Uh, there's never a point where any of the broadcasters, I feel like, are, are not uh, paying attention. Let's put it that way. All right. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Poll question today, you know, life is all about choices. So try to contrast uh, the Mets and uh, the Jets. The Jets picking Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy, which I think most of us at the time all knew that that was a mistake. Everyone except the guy who was running the team. Darn it. Uh, also, the Mets selecting Brody Van Wagenen over Heim Bloom. I think that even though we don't really know much, you know, Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy is obviously a much more well-known uh, uh, quantity than uh, Heim Bloom was. But I think we all kind of agreed at the time, hmm, going uh, with the agent over, uh, you know, the baseball executive second-in-command with the upstart race, especially considering who the Mets were. Right, they were a team that was not going to spend a lot of money. They weren't all of a sudden going to start, you know, shooting the locks off the wallet and breaking out the checkbook. So, which do you think was the uh, the bigger mistake? Well, look, I understand that right now there is no one in town with a worse reaction who gets a worse reaction than the name Adam Gase. I could put Adam Gase up against basically anything. And people would pick the other option right now. It's it's what's current. It's what's right now. And you you realize that when you do these poll questions, like you can have a terrible track record even right now. But if it's not that you know, if the Knicks are the one kind of constant that you could put them up, and it doesn't really matter what time of year. But between baseball and football, it kind of deter- it's just it's just based on the immediacy of the moment. So I am sure that Adam Gase getting selected over Mike McCarthy is going to win the poll question. That's at least uh, the early uh, tracking. But you have to, I think that really, I I think I'd probably go the other way. If Mike McCarthy came to the Jets, would they be better? I think almost certainly you would say absolutely. Based on the simple fact, it couldn't be much worse, right? I mean, how could you be any worse than what they are right now? They've played two games. They've not been competitive in either game. You have players talking about how bad practice is. Last year was a disaster. This year is a disaster. You have players on the team wanting off the team, at least in part because of the coach. So, uh, no, I, I understand. But you know what? If Mike McCarthy came here, it would be better. But would it be good? Would it be... Would the Jets be in the, 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 the mix for a playoff spot going into the year? No. 
I think the years and years of Mike McCagnan running the draft and running, I mean, basically you could throw a, a dart at a window and uh, you have a better chance of hitting something than, than, Mike, McC- uh, than uh, Mike McCagnan picking players in the NFL draft. So I think that what you're seeing is is years and years of not picking players well and not, not getting anything out of having all these high draft picks is coming home to roost. So I don't think the Jets were ever going to be a, uh, a good team, even if Mike... Now, they would be better. They would, you'd certainly feel better, I think, about the direction of your franchise quarterback, which is the only thing 99% of Jet fans even care about. But I don't know that they would be good. You know, the Mets, over the last couple of years, there was a path to victory. There was a way, if they would have made some of the, the right moves along the way, they would have at least been a playoff team. They haven't even been that. And get, take a look. I mean, they have far more talent. Their offense, at least up until a couple of days ago, I think led all of baseball in OPS. They have this, you know, the two-time defending Cy Young leading their rotation. And they can't get out of their own way. And why is that? I think it's because you picked the wrong guy as the GM. The guy who was the GM made bad move after bad move after bad move. And it wasn't about the big things, right? Like, the Jets still, I think, kind of need the foundational pieces to move off where they've been. The Mets should have had some of the foundational pieces in place. It was about making the little moves, the -the under-the-radar moves. And baseball is, your success is largely determined by your GM. You know, the GM is the guy picking the players and putting them in position. The good teams generally have good GMs running the show. So uh, I would say if I had a vote, I think it's actually the Mets going that direction. And again, Adam Gase was bad in Miami, but it was a little tougher to tell. It was a little bit more ambiguous about what failures were his and what failures were the organization, what part of it was the injuries. I mean, he lost his quarterback for a couple of years. Now, again, I would not have picked Adam Gase as the head coach, but at least he had been an NFL head coach before. The Mets took a guy who was an agent, and it made absolutely no sense whatsoever unless you were going to change the direction of the team. All of a sudden, you, you won Powerball, and you had a whole bunch of money to spend, and you were gonna, you needed to get in that room with the free agent and make the pitch. That's why you hire the GM. That's what the Knicks are kind of hoping with uh, Leon Rose, is that they are going to be able to go out now and, and make that pitch to the big free agent when, or the disgruntled guy with whatever organization and they get, get him to come to New York. The Mets, they hired the, the GM to be uh, the, the agent to be the GM, and they never went that direction. They allowed the GM to kind of build the team like Hein Bloom would have built the team. So that makes absolutely no sense. You had a guy with a good track record, a guy with no track record in that job, and they decided to take the guy who had no track record in that job. And again, the Mets did have the Mets did over the last two years have a path to victory. The problem is, is that the guy picking the players almost exclusively made bad decisions along the way. I mean, you can pick out a couple here or there, but, um, you know, not nearly enough. I mean, again, the Mets in a year where everybody's been in contention, the National League is wide open. 
The Mets n- never even flinched towards the playoffs. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. All right, uh, are we still are we late again? Uh, let's go to Alex in North Carolina. Let's get Alex involved. Alex, what's going on, my friend? I, uh, not, uh, not too much. Thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, you were talking about DJ LeMayo and all his good numbers. How come they, they don't give him the MVP? Like last year, he, he was probably, arguably, like the uh, one of the best players in the in the American League. Well, look, I mean, I don't think that he was he was great last year as well. I don't think that uh, if I had a vote last year, I don't think that I would have voted for him. I'm sure if he had been in another team and done, he his vote total would have been higher. But I think he finished top three in the MVP vote last year. This year, I don't know how the season is going to end. We still have a couple of days left. I think that DJ LeMahieu this year should be the American League MVP. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that's uh, that was that was my, that was my question. Thank you so much. All right, now see again. What do I do? What do I do? I am about bringing people together. If you have an issue with me, it's uh, I, I have to I have to think that uh, it's probably on you. You're probably the issue, not me. I'm a people person, and it's all about reaching across and helping those disagreements become agreements, finding the common ground. Man, I'm amazing. <laughs> Sight and sound of the Road Warriors entering the arena sent an adrenaline rush reverberating around the world, striking fear and a sense of impending doom in the hearts of their opponents. I don't know who this guy is that's doing the narrating. I think it's the same guy from uh, the movie Idiocracy. That guy's voice is amazing. God, you imagine walking around with that voice all day? Yeah, obviously uh, the Road Warrior animal. Passing away, uh, was it Joe Laurinaitis, right? Uh, at the age of 60. So uh, condolences to his family and, uh, and, of course, to all the fans. I was always a WWF guy growing up. But, uh, you know, I, every once in a while, you'd, you'd take a look at the other, the, the World Championship Wrestling. And I remember they would have um, Iron Man by, uh, is that Ozzy or is that Black Sabbath? I think it's Black Sabbath. Uh, come out when they came out to the ring, and that was before the days of the the organization putting out their own songs. But uh, I remember when they would come. I mean, you were like legitimately terrified of them. <laughs> they were legitimately terrifying as a kid. They had the big shoulder pads with the spikes and everything else. But uh, all right, there you go. Your moment of inspiration. I don't know if it's really inspiring, but I saw it and I wanted to use it. You know, like, do you want a, a highlight from a, an NBA game that you're going to see every place else today? Or, you know, a little, uh, a little reference to um, 1980s wrestling? I think that the 80s wrestling is the better way to go. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is um, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. The, uh, the poll question is up for today. It's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. Uh, the, uh, the question today about the wrong choice. Which team do you think screwed it up more by their selection? And right now, if you're talking about screw-ups, you're going to talk about the Jets and Adam Gase and selecting him over Mike McCarthy. Although... I get it. You could have said anybody, but I chose McCarthy for a specific reason because I think that that was the guy who had the track record at the time, and it seemed like that that was, you know, that's where it came down to, either Gase or McCarthy for a lot of fans. So I went with McCarthy there because um, 
just how bad the Jets have been? Or is it the Mets deciding to go with Brody over Heim Bloom, who obviously does not have the the star power or the the name recognition? Maybe of, I don't know. Mike McCarthy has star power, but you know what I'm saying. The name recognition of uh, of Mike McCarthy, but to me, it's clear cut. To me, taking uh, the agent over the baseball executive is a bigger screw up even than the Jets selecting Adam Gase over, uh, you know, a box of baseballs. It really could be, I could have put anything there, and I'm sure that Adam Gase will end up winning it. But you know what? No matter who took over the Jets, it was a long term rebuild. Like, just because you think the quarterback is the franchise quarterback, the rest of the, you can't make the argument that, you know what, we got no talent on the team, the team is devoid of talent, there's nothing here, there's nothing there, and then think that anybody was going to come in and all of a sudden they were going to be, you know, competing for uh, Super Bowl titles. Now, has Gase made it worse? Absolutely. But at least, I think, in terms of Gase, Gase actually had the job as a head coach before. Brody never had that job before and probably won't again. All right, so, look, uh, the point I wanted to bring up uh, about the Jets, right, there's two things. A, the story that's out there about the players saying that they don't practice well uh, and it coming almost as seemingly a shock to uh, Adam Gase. I don't know. Should they practice well? I mean, after all, they don't play well, so I would kind of assume that they don't practice well, but... Then at the other, you know, the other side of the coin is well, they're practicing against the Jets. Shouldn't somebody be having some success, right? Like the Jets' defense has been terrible, so bad you'd think that the offense would be clicking. Although the offense is so bad, it's almost it's almost like uh, you dropped your uh, peanut butter into my chocolate. You dropped your chocolate into my peanut butter. But Adam Gase coming out and again saying about well, you know, the the, the plays are fine. It's the players have to execute the plays. I guess that would be fine in a vacuum, but isn't that the key? Like, for Adam Gase, does he think that no coaches should ever be fired? Yeah, obviously, if the players execute, the plays aren't designed to fail. They're they're designed to, to work. But everybody has plays designed to work. And the, the benefit that the opposing team has is that their plays are designed to go up against the Jets. So you'd have to say, I don't know what percentage, they have a, a higher chance of executing their plan better than yours. It's almost like Adam Gase is the ship captain. Uh, captain, the, uh, there's an iceberg up ahead. No, we have to be stronger than the iceberg. The, the ship will be fine. It's made of metal. That's made of water. So, all right, Mike McCarthy clearly should have been the pick. And you know what's interesting to me? Week one. Mike McCarthy, I didn't get to bring this up on the show because we had so many other things going on. Mike McCarthy got crushed for the uh, the Ram game, right? He goes for it on a fourth down early in the for, uh, fourth quarter rather than taking the field goal that would have tied the game, right? He gets crushed. Even though uh, the numbers, the analytical numbers tell you that that probably was the right call. Now, look, they didn't get the first down, but they did execute the play. Like, the, the, the pass was completed to the receiver. The receiver just ran short of the first down marker. But what the, the numbers tell you analytically is that by kicking the field goal, you're tying the game, but then you're kicking the ball to the other team. So you're basically putting yourself in the position where you're going to have to do that again. Whereas if you go for the touchdown, your odds actually increase of winning the game. And all right, so they don't get it. Everything's based on whether you get it or you don't. All right, so he gets crushed. Uh, then this past week, he got crushed for going for two when he was down nine, right? They're down 15. They get the touchdown. So you know you're going to have to go for two at some point, but they go for it, don't get it. So he gets crushed for that 
that seemingly wrong decision, even though you know you have to go for it for two at some point. And going for it early at least allows you to have the information and play the game based on that information, right? Like you can just kick the the extra point there and say, you know what, I'm going to get the two on the next one. But you might be playing the game out like, well, we just have to allow, it could basically, the game could come down to that single play at the end of the game. Whereas if you go for it, and even if you don't get it, you know, okay, now I still have to score two more times when there's more time left on the clock. So here's the point. When Mike McCarthy got fired, one of the the criticisms that was made, and I guess he heard, was that he did not factor in enough analytical thinking into his coaching. Now, a lot of times, coaches will, will hear that and whatever the criticism is and dismiss it. He, on the other hand, seemingly actually listened. Didn't just pay it lip service. When he was, was out of work, he went to, to pro football focus. He talked to people and tried to work on himself. You know, coaches get fired, and when they get rehired, I think a lot of things is like, did you learn what went wrong the last time, or are you just going to damn the torpedoes and stick to whatever things you, you, you had the first time? Or did you learn from the experience? Now, I don't know if Mike McCarthy is going to be successful, in Dallas, maybe he will turn out to be a mistake higher. But I do know at least he's trying something different, right? At least he's looking for an edge. Adam Gase, on the other hand, I think he could afford to have that level of introspection because it doesn't seem like, to the outside world, anything has changed from all the criticisms that he had about him in Miami are all the same criticisms that he has with the Jets. So I, I think that you can debate, you know, this higher, that higher, whatever. I think that one aspect of it you really can't argue at all is that Mike McCarthy, when he got fired, actually did have some level of introspection and said, okay, what can I do better? Whereas Adam Gase, it seems like, is much more focused on, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault, it's this person's fault, it's not my fault. one 800 espn one 800 Seven six. All right, let's get some more phone calls involved here. Let's uh, go out to uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike. Good morning, my friend. How many more days can we talk about how crappy the Jets are? I think the program was more interesting when we talked about the best movies in your movie list. Well, look, that's coming back. You know, the NBA season's coming to a close. The NHL season apparently is. I'm not really sure. I'm not focused on it at all. I mean, I think I was thinking about running a poll question today. Have you watched any of the Stanley Cup final? Because I don't know anybody that has. Uh, yeah. But it is going on. It's going on in a vacuum and in a bubble. I got a better question for you. Can you find the Stanley Cup finals on television? I think it's. I have a Direct TV. I think it's on. Is USA. it on 220? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's 220 on, on Direct TV. That's 220 for NBC Sports. Sometimes. Oh, see, I, I have not watched yeah. a single second. Yeah, I know you haven't. Hey, listen, I gotta, I gotta tell you this with the Jets. It's so bad. It, it, the gap between. I said this on another program, so if you heard it, I know the audiences are different. They come and go. From 31 to 32 is a chasm. That's how bad they are. At the beginning of the season, I asked Carl on one night. I said, listen, I'm throwing a few bucks down on some stuff. Like, I bet Houston to win the World Series at 9-1 to one or something, you know. Just some free bets I had. And then I said, over, under, on the Jets and Giants combined, 11 and a half. And I took the under. 
yeah. looking pretty pretty good. Yeah, they might have not, they might not have eleven uh, in the last two years. I mean, uh, that's it's <laughs> yeah, pretty it's bad. Really, it's really sad. And, and the coach, uh, the I think the odds are what game he's going to be fired, and he's probably guilty to some extent, but not the whole thing. The players have quit, and that's uh, that's terrible. Second wow. game. Yeah, I mean, but the spike isn't that on him? I mean, if the players, Partially. if you're having some sort of approach where the players are quitting on you. 18 games into your tenure with the organization, and there's a lot of players that weren't here last year. Yeah, I understand, but I don't give him full. It's not all his fault. No, of course not. Your players take some responsibility, and listen, uh, when the baseball playoffs start, I'm uh, I'm not bothered by Tanaka's outing last night. You cited, uh, I was listening when I got up, and I uh, heard the stats on Tanaka, and they're off the rails good. In about 8 or 10 games, is it? Uh yeah, I guess you'd have ten starts. I think. Oh yeah, well, he no, missed I, a little bit, so it might be his ninth start. I had to. I have to go back and check. Yeah, and I'm throwing the Houston game out too. So you know, basically, uh, I think uh, I think the Yankees will be fine. You're right. Yesterday, I talked to a friend after I spoke to him, and I said to him, he heard the call. He said to me, yeah, "Gordon's right because anyone can win the American League. National League is cut and dry. I think." But you never know with the Dodgers. Well, look, I mean, this is a weird year. And Spike, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird year, uh, obviously, because of, uh, you know, the new format, just uh, how things take place in the bubble. And not just the format of more teams, but the fact that you're going to be playing basically every single day. No home field advantage whatsoever. So who knows? I mean, look, to me, the National League is the Dodgers and everybody else. I know the Padres have had an amazing season. The Braves have been really good. And I guess if any of those three teams, I guess you'd say those three teams are the favorites. But I think the Dodgers are the overwhelming favorites. And anybody else can kind of could could come up. I mean, if the Dodgers don't make it, it will be an epic failure for them, right? I mean, they're built. They, they've been fantastic all season long. They really haven't had any real down stretches, um, and they've been there before. So I would expect that it's the Dodgers. If it's not the Dodgers, that would be a surprise. In the American League, it could be anybody. It really could be anybody. I mean, like, yeah, I want the Yankees to face the Twins, which is seeing, seeming less and less likely. But wouldn't it be the perfect fitting way for 2020 to be that this is the year where the Twins come up and beat the Yankees in some short series, Any, especially the short series. I mean, it, it's, such a, it's such an absolute crapshoot. It's not really the best way to determine, you know, like people will say, well, you know what, it's good that they don't have any off days because that will help determine the best team. Yeah, but playing a best of three series in baseball is not the best way to determine the best team. But that's what you got, and it, it, it's, it's that way for everybody. So uh, we'll just see how it goes out. But uh, no, the American League this year... Absolutely wide open. There's not one single team in the American League that if they made the World Series, you would be shocked by. Kind of uh, looking back on the show today, in case you're just joining us on this Thursday, what have we learned today? What we've learned today is that uh, Masahiro Tanaka takes it to a new level in the postseason. So last night's start, while not great, not good, bad, you could even say, uh, it's not that concerning because you would assume if he if he hasn't had Anything can happen in the postseason, and maybe this is the year where he does have the bad start. But you take a look at his track record. It's not just that he raises his game slightly in the postseason. He goes from good, solid starter in the regular season to a whole new, I mean, absolute ace in the postseason. So uh, I can't be too concerned about him going into the playoffs. DJ LeMahieu actually should be the American League MVP this year. And our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, 
is kind of focused on the, the fates of both the Jets, who try to avoid going to 0-3 on Sunday as they face off against the Colts, and the Mets, who are slowly drifting into the realization that uh, the season for them is over. And it really shouldn't be that shocking of a thing, considering that uh, they've never, forget about making a run towards the postseason, they've never even walked. They've never even flinched towards the postseason. In a year where it was wide open, in a year where the National League East is a terrible division, the Mets have not been over 500 since the fifth game of the year. And they will not be part of the postseason. So our poll question today is, who do you think, what team with one single decision screwed themselves more than the other? Is it the Jets by hiring Adam Gase, that one uh, over Mike McCarthy, is winning in a blowout so far? Or is it the Mets hiring Brody over Heim Bloom? Or basically any baseball executive? And for me, I think it is the Mets going with, the, with Brody. The Jets were going to be a bet, no matter what coach they brought in here, they were still not going to be a team that you would say, all right, it's already starting to click. It would be better, can't be worse, but it would not be a good, a good to, you know, playoff contending team. The Mets, they did have a path to victory and absolutely squandered it by hiring somebody for a position who had never done that position before and clearly was overmatched in that position. All right, let's go to the phones. Squeeze in a couple here quick. Eddie in Brooklyn. Eddie, go, my man. Hey, good morning. How you doing, um, Gordon? Listen, I think if Adam Gates is a team killer, man, he, he killed a team in Miami. Now he's going to kill a team in um in Brooklyn. To all, oh, I also would like to say good morning to all my fellow Lakers and still labels out there. We're getting it done. All right, Eddie. I appreciate that. Yeah, look, uh, Adam Gates. You know, Adam Gates. It was a little bit more. I don't know. Uncertain. He won the ten games the first year, and then the quarterback got hurt. The Dolphins also have the same kind of level of dysfunction with a clueless owner that the Jets have. So while things were not good in Miami, I don't think anybody could have expected, even with the low expectations, and they were rock bottom coming in, I don't think anyone would have thought it would have been this bad. All right, that's going to do it for today, uh, and we'll see you tomorrow, starting at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York.